3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. Other people want to make friends just try and make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. If you listen to the conventional wisdom on Wall Street, You'd think that Fed Chief Jay Powell has really dropped the ball, that he should have been more cognizant of runaway price increases, that he was wrong to say inflation was transitory because it's here and it's here to stay. But the people pushing this narrative couldn't be more wrong. And soon, I am predicting that they will have to eat crow. Jay Powell is smarter than the inflation eases. He's better than the inflation eases. Yes, he's cooler than the inflation eases, which is really saying something because Fed chairman is not a cool job. Why am I so sure? On a day where the Dow gained 220 points, S&P advanced 0.25 percent, two record closes, by the way. Now it's at the climb percent. The action is screaming that we don't need to worry about inflation. All aboard. How could so many ostensibly smart people get this darn thing so wrong for so long? Because there's always a loud contingent that wants to fearmonger, fearmonger about inflation. And they never learn, even though they've been consistently wrong for more than 25 years. No apology, of course. I don't think that's because they are, say, dumb as a sack of Idaho potatoes. I think it's because of bias. Most of the people who warn against the dangers of inflation are already rich which means they have the most to lose from inflation. Inflation erodes the purchasing power of their money and their savings. And more importantly, it also means they lose a fortune on labor costs. Of course, these inflation hawks are always quick to point out they're actually trying to help the regular people. They're worried about getting hurt by the rising cost of living. Oh, man, people in Dune Road, you listening? Anyway, that's garbage. When there's persistent inflation, that includes wage inflation, which offsets any cost of living increases. Now, don't think of it as a rich versus poor situation. Think of it as an employers versus employees situation. There are tons of business owners and executives who want the Fed to crush the labor market so they won't have to give anyone a raise. They want Powell to tighten because it would help their bottom line. End of story. It doesn't take a Marxist weatherman to know which way the wind blows But here's what they'd see if they actually looked at the situation objectively, rather than trying to line their already huge pockets. First, Powell's been adamant that we need to wait and see what happens with the Delta variant before he starts raising rates or even tapering. Now, the inflationists love to argue that Delta will have no real impact whatsoever because the mortality rate remains low. That's ridiculous. And not just because the death daily death toll is now growing exponentially again. It it is. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous because of the data. Just today, Southwest Air, symbol LUV, the best of the best, cut its earnings forecast because they've seen, quote, a deceleration in close-in bookings and an increase in close-trip cancellations in August, end quote. They they said it's because of COVID's uh, Delta Force. Is Southwest making that stuff up? I don't think so. Southwest is our nation's best airline. It's been able to navigate its way through a tumultuous time because it's so well run. So there's no way this is company specific. That means they could be the first of many airlines to cut their numbers. Oh, and it's not just airlines. Soon it will be hotels and unvaccinated cruise ships and canceled trips, chiefly to southern destinations where they seem to have a predilection to believe that the anti-vaxxers uh, should be protected by every single constitution out there. Did JPL know that there was a hardcore, ideologically motivated anti-vaxxers who prolonged the pandemic by refusing to get their shots? Did he know that there would be some people who were in charge, maybe COVID, mi- Midwest, and Southern distributors? No idea. But he was right to be cautious and data-driven rather than believing we'd already beaten this thing. Southwest pre-announcement is a jargon that much of that much of the turn in our economy has to do with going out. It has to do with traveling. Ticket prices have to come down now if the new outbreak uh, has more people staying home. This, is, this, turned out to be, this turned out to be part and parcel with why our economy came back. Second, used cars. Oh, let's talk about those. They were the number one source of consumer price inflation from April through June. But as of last month, they've stopped going higher. Check that Mannheim Index. This is another thing Powell was counting on, a self-correcting economy. Somehow he got this crazy idea that free markets can take care of themselves. We don't know if there's less demand or more supply coming from the automakers of new cars. Either way, used car prices are a tremendous barometer for the future of the auto industry. And right now they say things are calming down. By the way, I have to tell you, and I did this myself, if you were thinking of selling a used car, do it now. I'm getting a great price for a 2005 Lexus. OK, I'm not kidding. I, I, I thought it was worth a quarter, but they're so short those right now. I don't think that will be the case two months from now. All right. How about the so-called epidemic of wage increases that are spurring inflation onward? Wendy's just announced that they had to swallow a 6 percent rise in labor costs. But wait a second. We're speaking to Todd Pantegor, the CEO of Wendy's, later tonight, and he says that in states where the federal jobless benefits have already been suspended, well, guess what? They're already seeing more job applicants. Prices are coming down. Uber made the same point as ComSchool. Wages are coming down. That cuts in favor of Pal leaving rates low, even though I don't want lower wages. It, it Powell's going to be right on that, too. Can you imagine the economic catastrophe if the Fed were to hit the brakes on the economy right when those benefits drop off uh, everywhere at the end of the summer and millions of people rush back in the labor force? That could get very ugly. That's what we'll talk about every night. No wonder Powell wants to wait and see how things play out before he takes any action. He doesn't want to tighten now only to see unemployment spike and then be forced to take interest rates back down again and look like a rookie. What else? As J.P. Morgan explained plaintively earlier this morning— Retail spending outcomes have fallen short of our model in recent months. Are you at, they're really biased, right? It's like the largest bank in the world. Our U.S. card data reinforces this note of caution, showing a loss of momentum for airline spending and leveling off for restaurant spending this quarter. Much of this market's recent rally has been pinned on the Fed staying friendly, even if most money managers personally believe Powell should be raising rates. But this recent data and this depiction, look at this. Well, this shows you. Right, raising rates would be a huge mistake because business is already cooling off on its own. Do you think that's incredible? And believe me, this restaurant that can turn on a dime—trust me. All right, now how about some uh, some of the raw building blocks of the economy? They keep going up, right? Wait a second. We used to talk about lumber every day when it was trading up to fifteen hundred bucks. Does anyone talk about it now at five hundred? I mean, honestly, no. I just did. Frank Mitch, my favorite chemical analyst from his own firm, Fermium, says that chemicals ripped higher for several months. They stopped that trajectory in June. Now, oil and uh, plastics trade the same way in chemicals. So unless oil rips higher, uh, I think he thinks we're near a peak. Well, there's a good reason to slam on the brakes. Hey, how about oil? Have you noticed that it seems to have topped out? There are still some growth stocks in the oil patch. But for the most part, the group is signaling that crude, too, has peaked. While that could be temporary, I wouldn't bet on it. The Biden administration has made American producers much less willing to drill. We're no longer the swing producer, which is why the president had to try to cajole OPEC into boosting production. Never mind that OPEC exists to, to limit production. OK, and anyway, put it all together. Put this all together. And you you, you got a big chunk of the economy where prices are either stable or sinking. I know many of you have experienced multiple instances of inflation. But remember, when it comes to the stock market, we don't care about what's already happened. We care about what's going to happen in the future. If we're seeing a peak in used car pricing and a peak in oil, it's hard to imagine inflation is here to stay. Powell's right that it's transitory, even as the inflationistas have been bashing him, bashing him since he took over. Bottom line, I say give Jay Powell the benefit of the doubt. He's been right as rain since the pandemic started. His critics have been dead wrong for ages. They never apologized. Or let me put it this way. There's always someone fear-mongering about inflation. And for decades, you've almost never been wrong if you took the other side of the trade. I bet a year from now, the inflationistas will be buying some Grey Poupon or maybe Old Bay hot sauce. I hear this is what you need as an offset when you eat that nasty crow. (laughs) <laughs> Irvin in California, please, Irvin. Booyah, Kramer. Booyah, Irvin. Thanks for taking my call. First-time caller, long
4: time Park, here, Marion. Want to thank you for all the wisdom you share with us. Oh, I currently you, hold. Boss.
5: Thank you. I currently hold chairs of Fisker. I know that they're working with some great partners, such as Magna and Foxconn. I also know that they're working with a battery supplier that doesn't want to disclose at the moment. What are your thoughts on Henness Fisker and the Fisker company this I like Fisker.
3: I like Fisker. Bill McDermott's on that board. I think the car's beautiful. Uh, I think they're going to be one of the survivors. I think it's a terrific spec. How do you like that? Okay? Hey, you know what? We got to go to somebody in my home state in New Jersey. Let's go to Phyllis in New Jersey. Phyllis! Yes, hello, Mr. Kramer. I'm Phyllis from New Jersey. All right. I always watch your show. Thank you. And and on about on or about July 13, you suggested the stock Levi Strauss. You said Levi was a good child tax credit winner. Right. Do you still feel that way about Absolument. Levi? Absolutely, absolutely. I. Th- That's how we speak in Jersey. I think the Levi Strauss had a great quarter. It's kind of stuck in the mud right now, but there's a denim cycle, and it is fantastic. So I want you to be in it, Phyllis. Stay there. Can we just for a moment give J-PAL the benefit of the doubt? Even if you don't like it. By the way, he's incredibly nice. Now, there's always someone ready to speak to you about, about inflation. And for decades, you've been right. If you took the other side of the trade, this time will be no different. Oh man, buddy tonight, Wendy's the baconator. Yeah, look fresh. Uh, is it time for you to be on the bacon in your portfolio? You could do worse, believe me. I'm gonna talk to the CEO. Then, after federal judge of uncommon wisdom ruled that Norwegian cruise line could require proof of COVID vaccination for all passengers, I'm talking to the company's top brass, see what this could mean for the future of cruising. And by the way, they are I talked with them offline, I talk with Frank real offline. He's anti-COVID. Questions whether the governor is. Just saying, although that's my own words. Anyway, Poshmark tumbled today after warning that Apple's new privacy controls could impact the company's bottom line and some other stuff. But after putting a top and bottom line beat, I don't know. Should we look at it and see if it's good for your portfolio? I got the exclusive with the CEO. I suggest that you stay with Kramer.
6: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer Uh, on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets.
0: the
3: streets underestimating these guys. I'm talking about Wendy's. Unstoppable, and yet it doesn't get the respect. The stock of this terrific burger chain has been stuck in the low 20s for the last 14 months. Today, Wendy's reported simply delicious, a Baconator quarter. We're talking better than expected numbers on every line, including a 9-cent earnings beat-off of an 18-cent basis, 16-percent-plus same-store sales growth, and also only looking for around 14 on top of that, Wendy's raised its full year forecast substantially, hiked its dividend by 20 percent, still doing a buyback, yet the stock only rallies 4 percent. I mean, it's not even back to where it was trading two weeks ago, let alone before the pandemic. I think that's way too cheap. But do not take it from me. Let's check in with Todd Panagor. He's the president of Wendy's. Get a better read on the quarter and his vision for the future. Mr.
7: Panagor. welcome back to Man Money. Hey, Jim, always a pleasure to be on with you. Happy to be here today.
3: All right. So, Todd, you had unbelievable uh, strong top line results and bottom line, high profitability in what I regard as a high cost environment. How are you able to do all these things?
7: You yeah, know, we've got a lot of momentum in our business, uh, Jim. Um, you know, our lunch and, uh, and late night day parts really fueled our growth in the, uh, in the second quarter as we lapped over some of the challenges that we had last year during COVID. Digital and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and breakfast continue to fuel and support our business growth. Uh, so what we're really seeing is a lot of leverage across our PL as we're bringing in more customers more often into our restaurant. We're seeing frequency of uh, customer visits improve. Uh, and we're trading folks up into our highest quality, most profitable products, moving folks into our core everyday menu, moving folks up into our made to crave lineup uh, with really craveable, high quality food items. Uh, it's driving a lot of mix. Um, it's driving a lot of uh, profitability for us. Uh, and we're also seeing items per transaction continue to be up um, from uh, from a customer perspective. And, uh, you know, we continue to take a little bit of price along the way too. all of those things really fueled a strong restaurant economic model with our margins north of 20 percent. Our well, customer. Let's restaurant.
3: talk about price. A lot of people worry that you can't raise price to offset uh, the cost of uh, increasing cost of labor or food. That's untrue with, when it comes to Wendy's, correct?
7: That is untrue. I mean, we've got a lot of fans. uh, We've got a lot of loyalty. Um, The consumer is a little bit healthier, so they got a little more money in their pocket. Um, And with commodity and labor inflation, we're able to pass on some of that, uh, those inflationary items in price to the consumer um, and trading folks up into our, uh, you know, higher profitable items around our core and premium menu certainly helps uh, from a mixed perspective. So it's been a really positive for us uh, on the way the consumer has responded and the way pricing has been able to play a role uh, and driving profitability.
3: All right, I looked into this outfit uh, called Reef and they're involved in your uh, what I guess is called ghost kitchens. This to me, it only meant that, frankly, there's so much demand. You don't have enough stores. Is that a decent way to look at it?
7: That's a great way to look at it, Jim. And, and, and urban locations were dramatically underpenetrated. Wendy's isn't uh, to the scale that it needs to be in those urban locations. And the Reef delivery kitchens play a critical role to allow us to provide more access to our brand in those urban locations. There's a lot of demand. We learned that in the, the test with the eight restaurants that we have up in Canada, in Toronto. Uh, and we're going to replicate and really build that out uh, in the rest of Canada and the major metro markets in the U.S. and then support our growth in the U.K. too with, uh, with those delivery kitchens.
3: All right, so go over the economics of a, what's a ghost kitchen. What is it like on a third floor of a, of a building nobody cares about and you have a lot of delivery people because the real estate is very inexpensive?
7: Well, the real estate's very inoffensive. The way Reef works for us, it's uh, basically a, a delivery kitchen. So it is a vessel that uh, is fully dedicated to Wendy's. It's actually branded Wendy's, can sit on a, uh, on a parking lot, can be put down in a, in a great trade area, and then plug in with technology to all the delivery providers to provide a lot of access in that trade area to, uh, to the Wendy's brand, where we're not today. And uh, we're very excited about how those economics can play out. We see sales Anywhere from five hundred thousand dollars a unit to a, to a million dollars. And the great news is in the U.S. and Canada, we're getting a six percent royalty rate on those sales.
3: Oh, that is fantastic. Now, let's talk about the United Kingdom. I, I didn't you, look, you never know what's going to travel and what's not, basically. And obviously something uh, maybe they don't like the wimpy versus you, but something is being loved in the U.K. If I went to Wendy's, there long lines. What would I see?
7: You would see long lines, uh, Jim. Uh, clearly the, the, the customers have responded in droves. Uh, you see it in social media over there. Uh, they have a big Twitter presence. We've got a Wendy's Twitter handle over there. Uh, the lines had been wrapped around the building. Um, we continue to supplement that business with a lot of delivery. Uh, digital plays a big role over there. Uh, a lot of pent up demand. We've got one restaurant open. Uh, we've got the second one on our way. Uh, a handful of uh, company restaurants this year and another handful of reef delivery kitchens by the end of the year with a strong pipeline into next year. So we're going to support the demand. High quality, affordable food um, is uh, is in vogue everywhere. Uh, and we're going to bring that with all of this uh, latent brand equity that we have because we were in that market uh, over 20 years ago. And we're going to bring it back and the customers happy to have us back.
3: Okay, so let's talk breakfast. I mean, breakfast, you went in, you didn't go nuts on it. You want to be sure that it, it worked. It looks like there's getting momentum. And you correctly, as a good business person, put more money to what's starting to work. It looks like the Wendy's is, uh, it's still what, about single digit de- of the of the mosaic. Can it be
7: 15%? Well, we're, we're clearly committed to making it be 10% by the end of 2022. And you know how high it can be over time really is a function of uh, you know how do we ingrain the habit with consumers in the morning. What we wanted to do is continue to keep the pressure on as folks start to get to return to school, folks start to get into their new routine on however they're returning to work. Even if it's work from home, what's their late morning coffee break routine? We wanna make sure that Wendy's is top of mind for that morning occasion. That's why we're putting more advertising against that day part. We think we can ingrain the habit and we'll continue to invest. We said uh, we'll invest about 25 million incremental dollars this year from the company side. Overall, with the ad contributions that we're getting on the breakfast sales, we've got about 20% more pressure on breakfast advertising this year. Um, And we'll continue that into next year to make sure this is a business that not only sticks, but continues to grow for years yeah, to come.
3: It's hard because you got to get people to develop a new habit. They've been going to another place all the time. De- uh, let's just talk Delta for a second. Uh, closed restaurants that you thought opened, uh, pro- Plan new plans, staff meetings. How much do we have to do about this? What's the story with Delta?
7: Yeah, so we're managing through it quite nicely, and we got 95% of our dining rooms open. Um, Up until this latest uptick, we had about 15% dine-in traffic. You know, that's down significantly from the 33% we had pre-COVID, but we're seeing more folks coming into the dining room. We're doing all the things you would expect of us, Jim. We're making sure that everybody's masking up in those restaurants. We're making sure that the employees are protected. We'll make sure that our consumers are protected, Uh, and we'll continue to follow CDC guidance and state and local mandates to make sure that uh, we're taking care of our folks. But our great opportunity is the drive through window. We right. can continue to provide fast, convenient, um, contactless food uh, to support consumers' needs in the, the life that we're all living today in this COVID world, so we're well-positioned. Right. Whatever the future gets. Right, one, one last
3: question and don't have much time. But you, you were briefly a meme stock, I remember speaking to Nelson Peltz, who introduced me to you, a great financier. Uh, and he didn't know what it was good because, like, it really shouldn't be anything. Do you think it was a pump and dump or do you think someone genuinely was trying to get people excited about your stock? To me, it seemed like they got long. They pumped it. And then the stock went, the stock went up and then went down.
7: You know, I, I, I think there is a lot of love for our brand, and I do think many investors do feel that we're underappreciated, um, um, and, and we do the same. That's why we've got a, a new share repurchase authorization in place. But, hey, anytime you can get your brand in the spotlight, anytime you can get people talking about your brand, especially the retail investor that uses our brand day in and day out, um, you know, that just brings the spotlight to Wendy's and, and talks about all the good things, right? A lot of the You're discussion around right. what we do on social and what we do on digital, so it's been positive.
3: You're absolutely right. That is the best way to look at it. It's good publicity, so therefore, when people drive, it makes people learn about the story. Anyway, Todd, yeah. great to see you. Yeah, you did such a great job again. Still undervalued as far as I'm concerned.
7: Appreciate
3: it, Jim. That's Todd Penninger, President and CEO of Wendy's Buyback. Dividend increase, better than expected numbers, and still too cheap. Man, buddy's back after the break.
6: Coming up, it's the worst thing to have on a ship since Billy Zane. Can the cruise industry conquer COVID, or are there icebergs everywhere? Norwegian CEO is on deck
2: next. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, The ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash card.
3: Is it finally time to circle back to the cruise lines? You know I like to cruise. After an incredible run last year, this whole group has stalled out in 2021. So we waited and waited, waited for them to get permission to sail again. But at long last, the industry's bouncing back. Take Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings, one my favorite. Late last month, Their first ship returned to service, and this past weekend, they had their first U.S. cruise since the start of the pandemic, from Seattle to Alaska. By the end of the quarter, Norwegian expects to be operating at 40 percent capacity, going to 75 percent by the end of the year, and then 100 percent by next April. Plus, when they reported last week, even though they're still losing boatloads of money, the bookings remain strong. 2022 is looking very good. Perhaps best, best of all, Norwegian just won a critical court case versus the state of Florida this weekend, the one that lets them uh, refuse service to the unvaccinated. Given that the stock's down substantially from its highs, could this be the time to pull the trigger? Let's take a closer look with Frank Del Rio. He's the president CEO of Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings. Learn more about the big legal victory and what it means for his company's future. Mr. Del Rio, welcome back to Mad Money.
1: Jim, thanks for having me. How are you?
3: Oh, Frank, I got to tell you, when you created the Healthy Sale Panel, and you had it lead, led by my favorite and CNBC's favorite, favorite Dr. Uh, Scott Gottlieb. And then all these great people, public health experts that are great, hospitality, biosecurity. I thought for sure that what would happen is that everyone would recognize that if you said it was OK with those people, it would be OK. But the state of Florida
1: fought you about having healthy cruises. How the heck is that possible? I don't know how it's possible, Jimmy. You know, we're dumbfounded. And we're even more dumbfounded that after uh, the, the court's decision this past weekend that the uh, state decided to appeal. You would think that they would just, uh, you know, uh, lick their wounds a little bit and, and, um, and step aside. But, uh, but no, we're going to fight it in appeals and we'll see what happens. But look, it's the right thing to do, uh, Jim. There's a pandemic going on. We, we've gone sevenfold increase in the number of cases nationwide in just five or six weeks. And, um, and we're not going to let that, you know, uh, uh, restrict our ability to, to restart operations. We're excited to get going. Got two ships in the water, a third one coming up uh, Sunday out of Miami, Norwegian gem to the Caribbean. So we're off to the races. And we really think that with a little luck here and there, um, we're going to have the entire fleet operating by April 1st.
3: Well, one of the things that Justice Williams seems to understand that Florida didn't is, it's not just you, uh, Florida, you don't just sail... Sell- around Florida, you sail to countries that are very concerned that we don't bring them COVID. And I think that Florida could have shut you down from some of
1: your more popular routes. Yeah. Look, thank God that the, uh, the judge uh, understood the case fully and the ramifications, not just the constitutional ones, but the practical ones that there that people want to cruise. We're in an industry that was shut down for over a year. Um, we went 500 days without generating a penny of revenue. Uh, Jim, how many companies can survive that? Not many, uh, but we did and our industry did. And so uh, look, we also traveled to and from 500 ports around the world, all seven continents. And, and the only place that we couldn't ask for vaccine verification was Florida. And Florida <laughs> is a cruise capital of the world. Florida is America's playground. The, the damage to Florida's brand as a vacation wonderland, as a place to, to take off on a cruise in the, to the Caribbean and elsewhere, um, is being damaged. And and we've worked too hard for too long to let any politician come along and uh, and tarnish that reputation. So I, I wasn't going to let that happen, and I'm glad the judge agreed. Uh, you know, Frank, you told me to read the, rep- uh, read the uh, opinion. I've read
3: it several times, and I come to the conclusion of this. Florida wants to protect the unvaccinated, against the people who are vaccinated. And you know she said that several times. Is that not foolhardy to protect an unprotected
1: class? Look, um, I think we all need protection from this uh, pandemic, not just the vaccinated. As you know, there's been breakthrough cases. uh, The unvaccinated as well. But they just don't have the right to infect those uh, on a cruise ship. I have a business to run. I have customers to protect, shareholders' interest to protect. to uh, uh, you know, protect as well. And so we, we, we society need to understand this globally. Uh, I'm so disappointed in, in government at the local level, state level, federal, uh, that we don't have mandates. Whatever happened to good old leadership in this country? There is a pandemic going on. Imagine if 600, 700,000 people have died of anything else in this country other than COVID, there'd be an uproar. Over 35 million confirmed cases. You ask Dr. Godley, he'll tell you it's over 100 million cases. And it's got to stop. And if we don't take leadership here, this is going to go on forever and ever and ever. It's got to stop. And the way, one way to stop it, it's not the only way, one way to stop it is to have 100% vaccination in different venues. I can look you in the eye, Jim, and tell you that there's no safer place on earth, on land or at sea than on a Norwegian cruise ship, an Oceania cruise ship, or a Region 7 Seas cruise ship, because you are guaranteed that everyone else on board is also vaccinated. Yeah, I mean, I I thought, when I saw you wanted to do this, I said, I told
3: my wife, I said, look, we can cruise. Look, there's one place. Everyone's vaccinated, the crew, the people. And she said, yeah, but hold it. She's going to put little kids on. The kids aren't vaccinated. You're all going to get, you're not even doing that, are you? No.
1: Listen. No jab, no job. We're consistent. Um, uh, we brought everybody back to the office and everybody has, to, has got to be vaccinated at the office. The crew has got to be vaccinated or else they're not going to work for us. And their guests have to be vaccinated. So we do. Or we are taking 12 year old plus if they're vaccinated. But no, if you're under 12, you cannot be vaccinated yet. Dr. Gottlieb says maybe by the end of, uh, of the year that will that will happen. And then we'll gladly take you on board. But. You're not vaccinated. We're not going to take the risk that an unvaccinated person introduces COVID on board the ship and then all hell breaks loose. Not going to do it yet. And Frank,
3: isn't this exactly what people want? Don't people want to cruise where everybody's vaccinated? No
1: one's looking at each other. No one's trying. To, somebody coughs. You're not worried. I, I, I will tell you the overwhelming majority, because as I said in my earnings call last week, our bookings for 2022 are at the highest they've ever been at any point in time, including the record year of 2019. By a wide, wide margin, Jim, not by a little bit, by a wide margin and at higher prices. So we believe that our very strict COVID protocols are actually a competitive advantage. Because, yes, most people, not all, because it's never 100% of anything, but the vast majority of people who are willing to cruise today, want to cruise in the safest environment possible and that's what norwegian cruise line holding brands offer well i want to salute you you know you took tremendous courage
3: i saw three airlines today back down and say they're not going to require. and i said to myself i'd rather fly with the ones with their vaccine i don't buy this idea that if you're not vaccinated we should protect you somehow look think about it frank you and i both know this did we protect the people who didn't want polio from the people who wanted to give us polio uh, Ger- did listen, General I'll Eisenhower, the President Eisenhower, say, "You know what? Everybody has a right to give everybody else polio."
1: No, So we ended polio. I, I, listen, that's where that leadership comes from. I don't. We, we can't please one hundred percent of the people one hundred percent of the time. It's impossible. But you have to take leadership, and and you have to take a stand. And if the a world, if a pandemic doesn't trigger that kind of leadership that you need to, to beat it back. I don't know what else what will be, Jim. And so I am, like I said earlier, I'm disappointed in our government, uh, not just ours, but worldwide, because we now live in a global world and it doesn't do any good if we're doing one thing, if everybody else is doing the next. We've got to beat this this pandemic back. It's been around now a year and right. a half, if not longer. And uh, look, look what this Delta variant has shown you. We I can know. go from literally crushing it You know, Israel and the U.K. were neck and neck back in uh, mid-spring, having the lowest prevalence in the world. Seven or eight weeks later, it's a disaster. So um, things can turn quickly. And and the best way we know today is to be vaccinated. And we're following the science. We're following common sense. And uh,
3: that's all it takes. I agree with you, Frank. You know that. I'm with you every day on this, right? I'm right there with you. Hey, I, I just, you know, put me on the haven. Let's get rolling. Frank Del Rio, president CEO of the Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings. Thank you for being a brave man. Thank you for showing leadership. Great to talk to you. Thanks Jim. Thanks, Jim. This is the one that I've been backing. And if you've been on the ships, they're gorgeous. Don't forget that. That matters, too. they have money back after the break.
6: Coming up is X so yesterday that now Posh marks the spot instead. Kramer gets a first-hand look at a second-hand sizzler. Next.
3: All right, what the heck just happened with the stock of Poshmark? That's a digital marketplace for second-hand goods. Stock plunged 17% today. Now, I thought the stock was way too hot when it came public this year. But after it pulled back from its highs last month, I recommended it. So I liked the category. Maybe I got ahead of myself. Last night, Poshmark reported a slightly better than expected quarter, but that's not good enough when you're dealing with such a high-flying stock. Plus, when you look under the hood, there were some real issues here. Headwinds stemming from Apple's new privacy features that make it harder for com- companies to advertise effectively. Also, some questions about competition, too. So has the stock been punished too much, or do we need to be concerned? Let's dig in deeper with Manish Chandra. Manish Chandra is the founder and CEO of Poshmark. Find out more about the quarter and what comes next. Mr. Chandra, welcome back to Man Money.
5: Thank you for having me, Jim.
3: OK, so Manish, let's get right to it. There were so many things that I like about your company, including the fact that many younger people uh, don't want to but pay full price for clothes and they want a circular environment, meaning that they don't want stuff dumped in a landfill. They want to save stuff. They want to do it right. But this time I felt that maybe uh, the marketing costs went up too much. The competition from Mercari, from ThreadUp, Depop. I'm trying to understand why the stock plunged so much.
5: Well, I think uh, your guess is as good as mine. We delivered a really strong quarter. If you look at it, 7 million active buyers, all-time high in terms of GMV, 450 million and a revenue of uh, $82 million. And, you know, when you look at sort of last year to this year, there's sort of this COVID comps that are coming in. But when you normalize it to two-year stack bases, the growth actually accelerated from Q1 to Q2. Uh, Q1 growth, Y Y over 2Y was... 50% 50% and Q2 growth was over 60%. So when we come out and I look at the stock, it, it doesn't make sense, but it's, it's really, uh, you know, there's a lot of momentum in the business. The, the trends around sustainability continue to be very, very positive.
3: Well, do you think that people got freaked out when you did say that uh, the changes by Apple, this is the identifier for advertisers, uh, mm-hmm. were tough and you also spent much more on marketing than you did before? So maybe people feel you had to do that
5: because of Apple's change? Uh, well, I mean, I think that was a little bit overblown in the uh, in the headlines. But if you look at again uh, on the marketing side, the marketing expense actually in Q2 reduced from Q1. But again, if you look at two year stack basis on marketing, our marketing expenditure from Q1 to Q1 went up ten percent on two year stack basis and was flat on a two year stack basis. And our active buyers on a two year basis went from four and a half million to seven million. So again, last year was COVID comparison where marketing was, you know. Uh, completely shut down for a period of time because of the market conditions. On a normalized basis, the marketing was actually leveraged in Q2 compared to Q1. When we look at sort of the impact of Apple privacy, yes, it is an impact and it is going to have some short-term impact, but it really is a transformation. We've seen advertising platforms shift in the past. Two and a half years back, if you remember, Facebook advertising shift last year. Right. Google shifted their entire mix. So these things happen, come and go. The bulk of our growth comes from our older cohorts that come from the word of mouth that our communities spend and certainly a very diversified mix. So I do feel it's a little bit overblown. The last point I'd give in our favor is when you look at our revenue, when you look at our GMV, when you look at our active buyer accounts, and you look at sort of some of these other platforms, not only is the growth stronger, the sum of all of them is sometimes smaller than our, our scale. So so we continue to be excited about the future and the tailwinds we have behind well, our
3: back. Well, I mean, I'm, look, I mean, I was desperate to try to find things. I looked at Reddit. Reddit says that Postmark's not doing this, is a commenter, commentator, not doing a very good job keeping the scammers off the platform. They still get the commission whether the item is fake or not. They're only doing this
5: symbolic crowd reporting thing. Uh, how do you respond to that? Well, we actually have been working on removing the spam from the system. And finally, I think over the last few months, we've made huge headway, and the impact of it will be very positive. I think one of the things that we see with content management broadly is that in the system, when you sort of look at different tools and you look look at fighting spammers, you have to look at machine learning, you have to look at community reporting, we have our internal moderation systems, et cetera. So overall, I feel like, particularly in the last few months, we're gaining has team over it. You know, the battle is not over, and I don't know if it's ever going to be over, but it's certainly something that we fight to the nail. It's not about commission, it's more about technology. All right
3: Now, we are big fans of Snapchat here, both uh, the product but also the stock. Uh, Snapchat arrangement with July 8th, we have to believe is going to be gaining momentum by the week.
5: Yes, uh, it's really exciting to, to sort of partner with next-gen platforms. You know, what we see with Snapchat, Posh Mini is really bringing our Bosch experience natively for the Snapchat user, and and certainly appealing uh, to a broader demographic that's part of the Snapchat, expanding our presence and reach. And that's something we've done from day one. If you look at from the day one, we were first to iOS uh, as one of the first native marketplaces on iOS. Uh, And then since then, we've broadened to new platforms, and we'll continue to do that, whether you look at, say, TikTok or other platforms, our goal is to be at the cutting edge of, of innovation and making sure we are where the eyeballs are. All
3: right. One last question, Manish. Uh, we have a good relationship with the folks at Etsy and they're very powerful, as you know, and they're very well run. Can they take this Depop and, and really take it to posh, make it difficult for you?
5: Uh, we, we cut out here for a second, but, you know, overall, when we think of um, the competition and sort of the competitive landscape, we focus on our strength, which is ultimately about social, it's about community, it's about transparency, it's about simplicity. For example, just to give you an example, one of the things that gets talked about is take rate. Our fee structure for the last 10 years hasn't changed. It's been simple fee structure, whereas a lot of these platforms, including Etsy, has added a lot of hidden fees into the system, marketing success fee, shipping fee, payment fee, et cetera. So that simplicity allows us to continue to build long-term partnership with our sellers, through that simplicity. And our sharp focus on community has been there uh, from day one. For for okay. example, most people.
3: All right, well, we're, we're, we're going to have to stop there. I think we kind of cut out there. Uh, but look, uh, Manish, I think that there are a lot of things that went right and some things that went wrong. We'll have to, to uh, stay tuned to the stock. That's the only thing we can do. Manish Chandra, Poshmark founder, chairman, CEO. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Uh Money back after the
6: break. Just chill out. Is this Chill Master Jay? The Chill Man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns.
3: It is time! It's up the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skeet? Dead on the lightning round. Let's start with Mike in New York. Mike!
5: Jimmy, chill. How you doing? Um, I want to talk about my uh, stock, Zillow. Let
7: me know what you think. I
3: don't know. Zillow's down like twenty five percent for the year. It's doing quite well. I actually think it's a decent level to buy with mortgage rates so low. I need to go to Jim in New York. Jim. Hi, hi there, Jim. How you doing today? I am doing well, thank you. How about you? I'm doing good. Just can't wait to beat this virus. Uh, yeah.
7: <clears throat> my stock is. Uh, I, I is Biohaven Pharmaceuticals. So All right, so I woke up at 3.30
3: this morning and I had a, a migraine to beat the band. And I said to myself, okay, what's going to save me? I popped myself a Neurtech from Biohaven and that bad boy was gone in 15 minutes. Do you think I don't think that Biohaven isn't the best? I think you buy it. I know somebody downgraded yesterday. They never had a migraine. Let's go to Cliff in Colorado. Cliff!
1: Booyah, Jim Kramer. Booyah. Thanks for having
3: me, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you. I am calling about ticker ZEV, Lightning E-Motors. I think you have I mean, it. That was the game yesterday. Yeah, it was one you had to be in yesterday or not be in at all. Emmanuel in Florida. Emmanuel.
1: Booyah, Booyah. Jim. Booyah. For taking my call. So I know this space is crowded, but with earnings coming up, what are your thoughts on Sumo Logic?
3: Oh, my God. You said... It. Our viewers are smart. That is the most crowded space in the world. I'm tired of cloud-based management and analytics. You see, finally, 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 Splunk went up. Enough. Anyway, I like Snowflake in that area. Let's go to Phil in Tennessee.
1: Phil, big booyah, Jimmy Chill, first time calling here from the Bluff City, home of rock and roll, Memphis, Tennessee. Indeed. So my stock is uh, Infrastructure SPAC that just recently joined the Russell
3: 3000. I want you to, how's ATCS? Uh, It's it's cool, but it it just had a gigantic game. Uh, We we, want to be in things before the game, not after the game. I think we missed that stock. But now we're going to Tom in Michigan. Tom, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you, Tom? Good. I'd just like to say that you and all your friends that work do a fantastic job, my question is, so the long-term outlook.
3: Long-term, I like it. It's Anthony Noto. They're about to report. I think he's doing a terrific job, and I think that that's a great stock for the long-term, and there's no reason why you shouldn't buy it. That's how I feel. All right, now we're going to go to Brian in Nevada. Brian.
2: Booyah, Jim.
3: How are you doing today? Uh, I am doing well. How about you? I'm good. My question is about GameStop. Okay, well, GameStop is a little controversial. You see, you've got these people, they're, um, they're arachnids, uh, nematodes, the nematodes, right? Nematodes, and they like it a lot and good for them. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning
6: Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, hot, hot, hike. Make sense of the day's most critical market machinations in no time flat. Stick with Kramer for a special No Huddle next.
3: Next time you hear someone whining about how this market's overvalued and we're all falling victim to irrational exuberance, remember that we can find opportunities around here practically every day. There are a dozen big names at any given moment that I could roll higher. And, and like we saw with Newcore, the best of breed steel maker. Or at Walmart, the king of retail. Two names I've been pounding on the table for ages. So what could be the next Newcore or the next Walmart? Okay, let me just give you seven quick ones. Let's start with Ford Motor. Currently, trades at just under 14 bucks, down for more than two points from its high. Today's CPI demonstrates that uh, that used car prices may be peaking. And that could be either caused by demand destruction or by the increased availability of new cars. Lately, Ford's biggest problem has been the they can't boost production thanks to the semiconductor shortage. I think the chip shortage is slowly going away. Just look at Micron, the commodity chip maker. See, the stock collapse because it's so sensitive to pricing. All this suggests that Ford can fix its production problems, which means the stock is now too cheap to ignore. Second, how about a growth stock? I'm going to think about PayPal, which we just bought for the charitable trust. Currently, it's 276. You know, it's down nearly 35 points on its high. 35. It would be even higher. But the last time the company reported, management talked about an issue with their separation from eBay that could hurt the earnings in the future. My view, that's been baked into the stock for ages. So why not pick up some PayPal down that much? Hey, I like that. Now. Third, not long ago, Norton LifeLock, the consumer cybersecurity place, surged from 21 to 28 after management raised guidance huge. However, quickly slipped back to 24 when we heard that they might be overpaying for a similar company in Germany. When the actual terms of the deal were announced today, they were much more favorable than Wall Street expected. And while Northern LifeLock did surge nearly 9 percent, you know, it's still down a couple of bucks from where it was when we first got word of this accretive transaction. Fourth, American Eagle Outfitters. This apparel retailer has consistently reported the best same-store sales of any of the mall-based chains. Many other mall retailers have seen their stocks soar. Hey, but they don't come close to American Eagle in terms of quality. This stock's down nearly 10 percent from its high, even though Matthew Boss, the retail analyst at J.P. Morgan, who's the best in business, says he can go much higher. Fifth, Boeing. Six months ago, with nary a possibility of major orders for the 737 MAX or its wide-body planes, Boeing stock hit $278. Since then, the company's reported a big upside surprise, as well as very strong orders for July. It's testing the 737 MAX for China's aviation regulators. Yet the stock's down close to 40 points from where it was trading five months ago. That's crazy. Finally, how about Pioneer Nat not natural resources or Devon Energy? These two oil producers have got religion, specifically the religion of returning capital to you, the shareholders, rather than wasting all their money on endless drilling. Pioneer and Devon have both instituted delicious variable dividends, which means they have very high yields when you the price of oils in the high 60s, where it is now. now the White House just asked OPEC to pump more in order to lower the price of crude, but OPEC's entire existence is still not doing that. Given that oils come down a bit from its highs, I think now is the ideal time to pick up quality exploration and production plays that are serious about rewarding shareholders and trying to be good corporate citizens. Devon and Pioneer, Pioneer both work. Sure, when you look at the whole market, I mean, it may be overvalued versus where it traded in the past. But when you consider that the bond market's giving you next to nothing, stocks are still the only game in town. More importantly, you can still find great opportunities every day. I just gave you seven of them. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts
0: now.